Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 11 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? I'm pretty well. You know, it's very generous of you to actually still say always uh, after the string of episodes that we have had. <laughs> it's written down in the script. Um, and I did not want to edit what we were saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, no, man. Back on, back in the saddle. Welcome back. Back on the mic. Yeah, thank you. And it feels so good. Uh, you know what else is going to feel good is that, Dave, today we are watching episode 11 of O-Ranger. It is called Submission, the Refrigerator of Love. Uh, but before we get to that, Dave, I don't know if you remember this. But uh, we have our officially award-winning opening segment, Dave, Shining in the Heavens, There Are Five Stars. Are you? Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty ingrained at this point. I feel like, you know, what is it? It's like 21 days to make a habit and 21 days to break it. But mm-hmm. even so, I feel like I'm still, I think I'm, I think I'm good. Okay, I'm, cool. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, in that case, are you curious as to the identity of our first star of the week? Uh, I burn, Matt. I burn, I pine, I perish. <laughs> Sorry, we're reading um, Taming of the Shrew. Sorry. We're reading Taming of the Shrew, and I had a bunch of kids absent one day, and so I was like, you know what would be fun? We'll watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah, great movie with a oh, yeah. weird, like, completely baseless seen... understanding of paintball. <laughs> Have you seen that movie Anytime in the last, since it came out, like in the last 20 years. Um, I have not seen it maybe in the last 10 years, but I it did is, see it some time ago. It is a beautiful, it's like a perfect crystalline gem preserved in time. It is like, it is the mosquito trapped in amber of the <laughs> late 90s from which you could recreate the entire uh, decade, I think, if you really needed to. Oh, dude, I I just had that same experience. I rewatched Clerks. Oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. yes, in like a very different way. I feel like Clerks and Ten Things I Hate About You are like the yin and yang of '90s movies. Oh man, like uh, people said, unironically, we're calling things heinous. Sure, it was. Oh man, man it was why did so we ever good. stop saying that things were heinous? I don't know. I don't know, man. It was too beautiful to live. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> what is our first first star of the week? Uh, first star of the week, Dave, is that I literally just got back to my apartment after being in the car pretty much all day uh, because over this weekend, um, my sister or our sister and I went to yeah, go visit yeah, our you. cousin and his wife in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. Yeah. How was that? It was really good. I have not been I, to Philadelphia since I was a lot younger. And I was going to say decades literally. Yeah, so and like I don't really remember being in Philadelphia or like seeing any of the Philadelphia stuff. And so as it happens, it was like and we are recording this in January in case you are listening to this like far on at a later date. Um, but it was like 54, 55 degrees and sunny all of yesterday in Philadelphia. Yeah, no, it was super. It wasn't that nice in Cleveland, but it was really nice. So we took a four and a half hour walking tour, like wow. guided walking tour of Philadelphia. That's a lot. That's long. Yeah. So, okay. So you've got to see what you saw, like the Liberty Bell and like. Is it Constitution Hall? Like, I don't know what it's uh, called. Independence Hall. We Independence did, Hall, thank we you. We did kind of see that. What we realized very early on in this tour is that the guy giving the tour is only kind of interested in that aspect of Philadelphia's history. Oh, wait. Sorry. Back that train up. I assumed that, like, you all just went and our co- Mike showed you, or Mike as our, as our cousin, and Mike showed you around because he lived there. No, you took an actual, literal walking tour with a tour guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Mike was there. It was, like, Mike and Katie, our sister, and me, and, I don't know, seven other people just following this dude around Philadelphia. Oh, amazing. Um, and he he's probably about our age. 
Okay. Um, and he's just one of those dudes who spends a lot of time, like, reading up on, like, the minutiae and, like, kind of, like, dark, sordid bits of local history. Well, see, this is a really interesting thing about tour guides. It's like, I don't think there's, like, a licensing body for that stuff. No, this guy's, like, a sketch comedian who, like, makes time, like, makes money in his off time bringing people around and saying, like, hey, here's an old firehouse in what is kind of a weird neighborhood of Philadelphia that used to be very rough. And let me tell you the story about how Philadelphia fire, like, volunteer fire departments in like the 1800s used to basically be street gangs oh yeah 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 that was a really big thing like gangs of new york that whole like bill the butcher etc etc like it was based on a real dude and they were all firemen like that was a big i don't know why firemen maybe because you i don't know they just dug fire who knows so wait, was this like a Craigslist ad? Did you just no? Was this like, like busking? You just kind of rolled around until you found a dude, found who, a guy who seemed interesting. No, he yeah. does it like he does it through an organization. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Called like Tours on Foot or something. But yeah, it just happened to be this crazy long tour where he was like, "Hey, here is the hospital. It was founded on this date, and let me tell you all about the anatomy riots." And stuff Man, like that. So it that was, seems like a great job. It was really fascinating stuff. Um, yeah, Philadelphia was great. Um, we did later then go like look at the you know the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall and just wander around town and like we we went into a shop called like Strange Things and Oddities that's just full of like taxidermy and like I'm trying to think. Because there's two sorts of places where you can buy taxidermy, right? There's like... Right. Um, well, there's a taxidermist. There's a taxidermist. And then there's a place that has oddities right in the title. Where well, it's yeah, got I'm like... good. Like, I'm good. It's, it was actually really cool. It had like like, re, uh, like reassembled like squirrel skeletons under bell jars. That sort of thing. It was that sort of place. Yeah, no, I think I'm still good. Actually, actually okay. A squirrel skeleton does sound, sound pretty I know. Good. I got like... We had to leave it when we did, because if we had stayed there any longer, I was 100% going to buy an alligator head, and I do not need that in my life. Yeah, no, you definitely don't need that. Where would you even put an alligator head? Like, I, I've been to your place. That doesn't seem like you have, a I, like, an apropos spot. I'm trying to rearrange some stuff. I, I, I could actually use a handful of curios. But, anyway, yeah, so that is our first story of the week. I just got back from Philly, and it was a nice. very good time. Dave, what is our second star of the week? How you been, dude? So, man... I'm, I've been good. So our second star of the week is just like, ah, it's, I'm just, I don't know. We'll just call it Dave, Dave date. That's like a portmanteau of Dave and update. It also just, just like sounds like of, someone is going on a date with you, Dave. Yeah. Um, so, well, this is like a mini audio date with <laughs> okay. me in a totally platonic way because I'm married. Sure. Uh, no, man, I've just had like, so I just wanted to make like, I don't know, like a confession slash apology. Uh, we really try to not miss episodes. I feel really bad. The twin, I think they're finally feeling better. I'm finally feeling better. Beth is finally feeling better. But between the four of us, we have just existed in like a rolling state of like plague for this is not a joke. Two months. Yeah. Two like I've seen like, you a few times on. I've seen you a few times in that time period. And, like, there have been bits where, like, one or more of you have been okay, but never where all of you have been great. Yeah. I mean, dude, I have used, this is not, I've used more sick time this, up through this part of the school year than I normally use in an entire year. Uh, Wednesday, I actually woke up fine, and this is why we didn't have an episode for last week. I, we were going to do it late. I woke up Wednesday. I was totally fine. Made it through first period. I was like, mm, I don't feel great. And by fourth period, I had to have the security guard come in. Like, we just have security guards. Uh, come in and be like, hey, can you watch my class for a second while I think I'm going to go puke in the teacher's lounge? Which uh-huh. I did. Nice, nice. And then by the time I got back, I apparently looked so bad that she had already called the secretary who handles <laughs> these things and been like, yeah, he's not going to make it through the rest of this day. Like, you need to set up a substitute. And she did. And then I went home, bought, well, I got ginger ale on the way home, and then just went home and collapsed into bed and died. 
for like 10 hours, just like feverish, uh, vaguely delirious and puking. Mm-hmm. And then by like 9.30 that night, I was like 85% better. And then by the next morning, I was I was cool again. It was very strange. Um, and then like the previous Saturday, my cat died. Like kind of like, I don't like literally out of nowhere. Uh, my cat's name was Schrodinger. And I know like everybody who has a cat says that they have the best cat. But I had like, a, he was a really great cat. He was, um, he was an excellent cat. Yeah, he was like a giant, he was like a 20 pound Maine Coon. And uh, he was just super chill. And he always had a... He was a cat of enormous dignity, I think I would say. <laughs> and uh, he... Like, the way his face was structured, it always looked as though his eyes were, like, slightly half-closed and he was giving you a look. Um, but he was super friendly and he was super chill. And he just went... It was, like... It was the craziest thing, man. He was... He was totally cool. And I was in the other room. And then I hear him, like, meowing really loudly. And I go in and I'm like, hmm... He doesn't look good. And so I like I call Beth. I'm like, we gotta I'm gonna take him to the emergency vet. Like he seems to be in distress, like something is happening. And uh I like I we put him in his carrier and I got him out to the car, and by the time I got the car cleared of like snow and everything, like that was it. Oh yeah, like, he was just there gone. had been like an ice storm that day. Yeah. No joke, like fifteen minutes. Fine to to just to dead. Um and, like, I was wrecked, man. I'm actually still pretty... I'm being very glib because, like, we're on a show and I'm, like, sure. mostly cool now. But uh, it's super lame. Like, he was a great cat. Um, but, but you know, man, I, I don't know. Um, he lived a great life. So, yeah. So see we... you on the other side, Schrodinger. But the babies are doing super well. Nice. They're, they're running around. So, so yeah, we watch. Yeah, we are... We are sorry that the the show has been sort of interrupted these last couple of weeks, but uh, now that is that is sort of the update as to why, and hopefully we will be able to get back in the swing of things uh, moving forward from here. Yeah. So so that's it. So what, Matt, is our third star of the week? Uh, third star of the week, Dave, is all all my stars this week are just things I did this weekend. Um. Because I, as I said, just got out of the car, so that's all I'm thinking about right now. Um, we went out to dinner at this Moroccan place called Marrakesh. Ooh, I love and, Moroccan food. And here's how this place works. You roll in, you tell them how many people you have, and they're like, okay, uh, well, here's what the meal is. And the meal is just, like, kind of the same for everything. You have, like, one or two variants in there. Like, okay. In, you know, in the... Like fourth or fifth, uh, I was gonna say wave of food, but that's not what that word is called. Course, there we go. So yeah, this can... is like a pre fee. You just kind of show exactly. up, and that's like there's like a price per person, and like okay, like here are the courses. Here are like the slight variations. You sit around like a comically small table. A guy comes nice. around and like throws a towel in your lap because there are no utensils, and you're just like prying at a uh, like a very well cooked chicken with your hands. Um, and it was that's the best. It was super, super great. The food was amazing. This place was like down an alley, um, and like in like very poorly marked. Except there was a guy standing outside, like with a vest and a clipboard. And like if you approached him, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is totally the place. Come on in." <laughs> um, but I feel like if you walk down an alley and there's just a dude, I mean, there was and he's a like, sign. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you walk down an alley and there's a dude and he's like, yes, this is the place that you're looking for. Like, you're pretty much guaranteed an excellent meal. Yeah, and the food was, like, super great. At one point, though, I got up to use the restroom. And by the time I was coming back, this place is, it's like three floors, but each floor is just sort of like a long, narrow room with tables on either side. Um... And when I came back, I heard some music start while I was in the restroom. When I opened the door, I realized two things very quickly. One, that the music was playing because there was a belly dancer in the room now. And two, yes. the belly dancer was in between me and my table. <laughs> Ooh, and like well, it's a very seems... narrow room. And so I just had to kind of wait it out. Which I mean, listen, hey, it was a, it was a, uh, like I said, the food was delicious. This was a sort of cool part of that experience, um, but just sort of like 
waiting and like trying not to like make eye contact because I feel like that would have made the whole thing a lot weirder. Yeah, no, you can't. There are some professions you just can't make eye contact with the person while they're doing. And maybe I, I feel like maybe this isn't one of them, but I don't have the cultural like background to know whether or not. So I just, like, eventually, like, she went on for a while and eventually, like, moved to the other end of the room and I was able to, like, sneak past. But there was definitely a moment where I walked out and I'm like, oh, I have been trapped. I just live here now. This corner is my new home. Maybe I'll go upstairs to one of the other floors and see if there are other people I can sit with for a while. Uh, but yeah, it was very cool. The place is called Marrakesh. I definitely recommend it if you're ever in that area. Uh, so, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So, our fourth star of the week, Matt, is uh, we haven't gotten a chance to look in on it yet, but I uh, I am a personality lifestyle uh, blogger slash commentator now. Sure, sure. And I just wanted to share with you the most recent kind of thing that I'm bringing into the Dave World brand. Um, it's a really big get for me personally. Yeah, a really big get for me personally. First of all, because I think it's super effective. Mm-hmm. And B, I think it's something that really uh, really meshes with the whole Dave World, uh, you know, brand. Uh, sure, it's sure. really on message for me. And by on message, I mean it is some old man nonsense. And <laughs> okay. the thing that I'm talking yeah, and the thing that I'm talking about, Matt, is Coltar shampoo. Well, I, I have to admit, Dave, normally when I think of coltar, either neither of those words seem like something that would make you clean. Yeah, well, okay, here's where you would be wrong. Uh, so, personal admission time, I've got dandruff. That's a thing that's true about me. Um, so, I have tried various, like, products mm-hmm. to, like, deal with that over the years. And, uh, like, nothing ever worked. Just nothing ever worked for me. And uh, I just had sort of, like, abandoned all hope. I was just like, well, I guess I'm just a dude who, like, lives with dandruff. And I'll just, like, you know, wash my head every day. And that'll just, sure. like, deal with it. And uh, and I was like, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just going to look around. Maybe there's something I've, I've missed somehow. And, Certainly uh, possible. Someone's like, right. Someone's like, coal tar shampoo. And I'm like, well, that sounds appropriately old man mm-hmm. for me to, like, be into it. And, uh... Like, man, I don't know if, like, if if I've bought into this uh, this story about my, this, like, personal narrative hard enough that it's, like, generating some sort of, like, psychic feedback loop. Okay. Where, where like, my belief in myself as this sort of person helps these things work for me. But um, I think that's what the I ordered, secret is, Dave. Yeah, you just gotta believe. Just put it on your vision board. Yeah, so so I ordered this Coltar shampoo and I try it, and darn me if it is not it is not like miraculously effective. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> like is know. it is it black? Like what is this substance? Well, Matt, um, it's it's shampoo and it is made from Coltar. It's not black, but it is definitely like a very very dark brown. And the smell, well, man, I just want you to imagine coal. Like, imagine uh-huh. a product that is called coal tar. No, I'm and there. Just imagine, and imagine that smell. And I feel like you'll have pretty much nailed it. Okay. As far as what it smells like. Uh, you know, like, once you wash it out, it's not like, you know, like, floating or with an aura of that around you all the time. Um, but it's, it's fairly intense. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but it is, like, darn if the stuff doesn't work, man. All right, dude. <laughs> so, so, uh, that's the latest edition. Uh, get yourself some coltar shampoo. Uh, the, if you are actually going, <laughs> I just realized somebody actually might be listening to this and against all odds might actually be taking my advice on this thing. It's, which, let me be clear. It's good advice. Uh, I, the brand I'm using is called DHS. I don't know if that stands for anything. I imagine it does. But DHS Coltar Shampoo gets, uh, gets the Dave World seal of approval. <laughs> okay. So um, <laughs> what, what, Matt, is our fifth and final 
Star of the Week. Dave, fifth and final Star of the Week is, as I have continually been mentioning, I just got home. And when I walked in the door, I had a very strange experience. Because for, for two reasons. One, as I think I've mentioned in previous weeks, uh, I'm living that Jetsons life. So yeah. my, my lamps all turn on when I'm walking up the steps because my phone knows that I'm home. Um, Amazing. But when I opened the door and looked into my apartment, I had momentarily forgotten that right before I went out of town for the weekend, I had just gotten a new love seat and kind of rearranged the, not really rearranged, but did a light, a light rearrangement of my sort of main living space. And so I walked into my apartment after having been gone for a few days, and I see like a not a bright orange, but a solidly orange couch where there did not used to be one. <laughs> and I just had this moment of like, you know how in TV show, like home improvement TV shows, sometimes we're like, oh, like the pimp my ride of houses, I guess. Like yeah. they'll get somebody to leave the house and then like sneak in and make changes. I definitely did have a moment where I had forgotten that I had kind of done that to myself. <laughs> you- you had just been attacked by, like, very conscientious reverse burglars. Yeah, like, they broke in. They didn't even get rid of my old love seat. They just sort of moved it into the other room. It was very good of them. <laughs> yeah, by the no, way, that seems like a nice thing. New love seat oh, yeah, looks great. Old love seat also say, looks great the in the new spot. Seat? No, it's good. It's a little smaller than my old one, a little less comfortable. But, A, my old, my, my old love seat was just, like, it's unbelievably comfortable, but it is also, like, at least 25 years old and 100%, like, busted in. Like, it's yeah, great to sit on, like but not a, fun to say, look at. I was going to say, good way. Right. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, so I have a new love seat, and my place looks cool. And nice. I was surprised to remember that I had done that. Man, this is, like, the weirdest. I think, uh, you know, people talk about, like, how do you, how do you adult? Like, how do you... How do you do that? It's like, man, so if you're asking yourself that question, um, it's a slow process and you get there and part of it is just looking around at yourself and saying like, you know what? Maybe I should buy a new love seat. Yeah, maybe. And then the... you buy the new love seat and your house looks nice. Yeah, like the one that you've had for 10 years that had previously been in your parents' house for an additional 15 years, sometimes that's just not the thing you should keep using. Or rather, you should definitely keep using it, but not in the front room. Yeah, I was going to say, no, that thing is great, but it's like a basement or like a back room now. Um, yeah. So anyways, congratulations, Matt, on successfully t tricking yourself. I feel like you've pulled the furniture equivalent of like hiding $10 in your pocket, like your winter coat pocket. You know, spring. Dave, it is exactly that thing. Or like setting your clocks like 15 minutes fast so you're never late for work. It's like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. but with furniture. It's very good. All other great pieces of advice. You, uh, you can have those ones for free, guys. All right. So uh, here's another great thing, Dave. We're going to take a break. We are going to go watch episode 11, Submission, The Refrigerator of Love. And we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 11 of Choroki Sentai O-Ranger. And Dave, if this whole show is as weird and goofy and full of nonsense as these last few episodes have been, then I might actually shed a tear when the series is over. Okay, I actually, Matt, we might be in, we might be all right because... Everything I read was said that it was up to episode eight that things were like real intense. And then it was after episode eight that they said, ooh, maybe we should like bring it back a notch. And this is episode 11. So. Yeah. And like, listen, I can understand if we you might are. We in cheddar, buddy. Like, I, I can understand if you were watching this show when it came out, being disappointed that the first eight episodes were like crazy, raw, like Jetman style, very brutal, emotional things. But for the purposes of this show, like this for show this right show, now, this one right here, this is very good. Yeah, this is pure gold, you guys. It's real, real, really, really good. Okay, so we, we start off this episode, and a woman is dealing with her freezer and refrigerator, and Dave, it's broken. It's like Matt Hardy, yeah. Dave. It's gotten itself broken. 
uh, and she is trying to deal with it, but she does ha- not have any patience. She to just, she can't, she doesn't understand what's going on. For Real quickly, I do want to say, this refrigerator has like four doors. Oh, this is a Cadillac of refrigerators. And I really don't, un- like, I just don't know what other segments you would need. Maybe, but anyways, I mean, maybe it's all on a spectrum. Maybe like it starts as a refrigerator and it gets to a freezer and there are like middle chunks in between where like you want your drink to get very cold, but you don't want the can like the can of Coca-Cola to explode. You put oh, yeah. it in segment two or three and then you're good. You know, man, I was looking to like make a joke out of that, but that's actually a really good idea. I hope that that's the case. And now I'm irritated that I have to make do with a paltry two segments in my refrigerator. So, Dave, would you say that if you had this kind of refrigerator, you would more than just like it? You might, in fact, love it. Well, um, I okay. Now, Matt, had you (laughs) asked me that before I watched this episode, I would have said yes. But in the context of this episode, I don't think I'm comfortable saying that. Well, this okay, guys. Let's just get into the episode because none of this is going to make any sense. You just got to okay. Here's what's happening. Okay, she's furious so, with this refrigerator because she thinks right. it's broken. Her kid, who we find out whose name is uh, Satoshi, is uh, he walks up and he's like, "Mom, it's not it, like he." You can see in his face that this isn't the first time this has happened. He says it's not broken. It's just it's unplugged, Mom. You just and he just he plugs it back in. And the mom, rather than being like, oh, um, I feel so silly that I, the sentient, moving human being in this situation, did not realize that that was the case, gets mad at the refrigerator. Sure. Because she says, of course, this is why I hate machines, because they're always making fools of me. (laughs) Dave, now let me ask you a question. I'm 33 years old. You're what, 35? 35, yeah. Have you ever... In all your life, experienced a moment where your refrigerator was accidentally unplugged? No. No, okay. that has l- I'm just, literally never happened. I'm just checking, because that's never happened to me, it's never happened to you, and it's never come up in conversation, and I've talked to a lot of people. So in yeah. this point of the episode, I thought that this was an evil refrigerator whose entire purpose was to make a fool of this woman. Right, That's I also assumed that was the case. It's not. It's not the cake. It's so much better than that. So we go to the moon and we see the Baranoia royal family. And mm-hmm. the Empress Hysteria is furious because she is watching this happen on their, like, telescreen. Now, I don't okay. know how they decide what to <laughs> yeah. watch on this telescreen. This is in my this notes is as like, well. This is an extraordinarily specific event. Um, Why did she choose this family to just... Here's what I've got. Here's what I've got, Matt. Roll with me here. Okay. She, because the mom is actively hitting the refrigerator because it's made a fool of her. Of course. And she's furious. So maybe they just have like an RSS feed, like alert for like any time a human is angry with a machine. Well, okay. And they can somehow zero in on that. Now, this does make sense because they are the emperors of the machines. And so... Even though this is not a sentient machine, there is still some sort of signal that is able to send out to the machine empire to let people know, hey, we're being abused down here. Please come to our aid. Which, if that's true, makes not only this episode, but the rest of this season very uncomfortable. Yeah, this whole thing becomes really morally questionable. Because what Hysteria says, she says, this is why I hate humans. They love the convenience of machines. But mm-hmm. they have no respect for those machines, which, first of all, I do want to say, that's not entirely true. Empress Hysteria. There's a lot of people that really, like, really like machines. That is so... true. That is true. But it's not, I mean, listen, we have at least one example in this episode so far to show that it's not entirely false. Yeah. So Some Jesus, machines, they... like Rodney Dangerfield, get no respect. So... <laughs> You know, man, I, growing up, I never thought Rodney Dangerfield was funny. Uh, like, I saw, like, some of his movies, and I was like, this, just, I don't, like, I don't understand why this dude is famous. Me uh, too. He is, he is not funny. I went back, and uh, I rewatched like, a, a little, a couple blurbs of him uh, a little while ago, and 
I still do not get it. Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> is not funny. I d- like maybe, maybe, maybe it must have been a cultural thing in the moment. My my understanding is that people who like people of a certain age who get comedy really appreciate him, but I am either not of that age or do not get comedy in the way that I always thought I did. Yeah, I man, I don't know. Okay, so anyways, uh, this refrigerator gets no respect. Empress Astaire is like, we will punish these humans. They will appreciate their machines. So they summon, and again, up until like right this instant, I genuinely was assuming that we were getting a refrigerator monster. What we get instead is Barra Printer. Yes. Who does not look like a printer. Okay, I've got a theory about this, Dave. Yeah, hit me. Because, okay, well, let's let's go into saying what he does, and let, let me circle around on my printer, because what this guy does is he shows up, he or she, it's, you know, it's a it's a robot monster, it is effectively genderless, I, I yeah. shouldn't assume one or the other, but Barra Printer shows up. I think you should assume neither, it's a robot. Uh, and zaps the lady and says, hey, you will now love this refrigerator. And when he says love, he means a deep, passionate, romantic love. Yeah. Love in an uncomfortable way. It's you will Not for her necessarily. Sure. For me. You will lust after this refrigerator is effectively yeah, what he that is. I, that I think is the best way to say it. His robot um, brain is commanding her to lust after a refrigerator. Yeah. That's not a sentence I ever thought I was going to say, but here we are, Dave. Man, okay, listen, dude. I, I've said a lot of sentences, first of all, as a part of this show, but uh, also as a part of Raising the Twins. Just had, has, I've said sentences that I never thought I would say. Do you have any examples, Handy? Yeah, okay, well, here's the first one. It's the biggest one, because the twins, there's a boy and a girl, all right, mm-hmm. and uh, they're babies, and they get their diapers changed, and like, you can't. If it's just you, you can change one diaper, and then the other one's running around. Uh-huh. So, number one on <laughs> list of sentences that I never thought I would say was, Bean, do not grab your brother's penis. <laughs> like, that's not a sentence that you think. <laughs> like, you oh. don't think you would need to have to tell someone not to touch their brother's penis, but... Dave, but I'll, there you have I'll let it, you Matt. know that's pretty high on the list of things I was not expecting to hear this episode. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome for that one. So, okay, do you have any more? Or should we circle back around to no, O-Ranger? No, no, no. We can, we can get back to O-Ranger. So here... You um, can loop those back in on a, a further baby watch. But um, my, so my, my, my theory on Barra Printer, by the way, is that it's a, it is a false cognate. And in fact, what the bearer printer is, is that he is imprinting people on things. Yeah, no, I think that's got to be it. Yeah. Uh, what bearer printer looks like is uh, Shockwave, like a more rounded Shockwave, but with no head. Yeah, from the from the Transformers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if that wasn't clear. Um I'm sorry, Dave. I've, You're I've just been stuck kind on of Don't Touch Your Brother's for, Penis? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still trying to circle back around. Um, my next note says that Shohei almost kills a kid. Is that what yeah. happens next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shohei almost kills a kid. And, well, he's on his motorcycle, and he um, really got you with that one, didn't I? Um, <laughs> you did. So he he's on his motorcycle, and basically this kid, when the kid runs up to his mom, uh, Satoshi, and he's like, what? are you doing? And she's like, get away. Don't touch the refrigerator with your filthy hands. And she slaps him and he runs out of the house. And, and then, so he is like on his motorcycle and he breaks really hard. He almost hits the kid. And the kid mm-hmm. just immediately, Satoshi just immediately trusts Shohei. And is like, there's something wrong with my mom. She's just, she's just admiring the fridge. And so he's like, yeah, that is weird. And then we see Barra Printer, Working his nefarious work all over town. Yeah. Now there there is a moment in here where Shohei, after hearing this kid saying some weird thing about his mom, wanders into the house and watches her like go nuts on this refrigerator, and he he gets from this the vibe that like this is definitely a paranoia thing. And he's like, oh, he's yeah. yeah. He's like, this is this, yeah. Like I thought this weird sounded weird here. when you said your mother was in love with a refrigerator. Okay, I'm on the case. Yeah. So we see Barra Printer, and he makes a schoolgirl fall in love with a copier. 
Mm-hmm. And she says, copier, like, let me kiss you. And then we get just like mushed up copy photos of her face, uh, which is actually a pretty, uh, pretty it is funny a very gag. good physical gag. Uh, they cut to a couple of like motor- motorcycle street toughs and uh, Barrow Printer causes them to fall in love with tricycles, uh, yeah. which is sort of a loose definition of machine, but it's cool. Uh, they run over to two children who are riding on tricycles. They lift those children off the tricycles, and then these two like mid twenties motorcycle toughs are just rolling around on these tricycle like children's tricycles. It's beautiful. So we go from there to a church, and mm-hmm. I am fairly certain it is the church that Cowrie was going to was going to get married in to her like childhood betrothed uh well dave listen if there's one thing that the super sentai series has taught me is that there is only one quarry uh only one dock and only one church in all of tokyo yeah so <laughs> so the bride is running away from Barakapier, and Barakapier, i love like that there's basically there's no rhyme or reason to what they he wants people to love because he says you Love an electric fan. And she is like cowering before Bar Printer. But before he can get his attack off, Shohei does like a flying punch mm-hmm. and uh, and like knocks Bara, Nara, Bara Printer over. And he does not attack this this poor bride. And she manages to kind of get away. Um, the rest of the uh, O-Rangers all show up. And also Bara Printer summons a bunch of... Uh, Barra soldiers, and so there is a O-Rangers versus Barra soldiers fight. And in every instance in this episode, when all five of the O-Rangers, whether or not they are transformed or henchened, are fighting the Barra soldiers, the fight scenes in this episode are great. I don't know if it's just because we haven't seen an episode in a few weeks, but every time they show a scene of this, just the way that it is shot and the way the choreography is set up is really wonderful. Yeah, they do a they do they do a super super fantastic job. There is one spot where uh, we get the same two or three seconds of fight shot, just literally I think shot from two different angles, and I think they're presented to us in a way that's like this is two different fights that are like <laughs> this is just more of the fight as opposed to like it's the same fight from a different angle. Like it's definitely because it's there's like another little bit in between, mm-hmm. and I was watching and I was like, did you just film that same fight? from two angles and try to tell me it was two different chunks. It, it I got, very I got well might have been. The other... No, I mean, it's a really, really good idea. Like, I'm not going to talk too much shade on it. Sure. But uh, the other notable thing about this fight is that Jury, the uh, yellow O-Ranger, is wearing pigtails in this episode. She is. And uh, the best thing about that is that she's wearing pigtails and she is delivering hammer blows. Oh, she the is most dropping, devastating of attacks. She is dropping bombs on Barra soldiers. <laughs> and it's really great because Yuji, uh, for most of this fight, you see him and he is just doing flips. Not even like, not even Akko style like flips around someone. You just see him literally doing flips like 10 feet away from any Barra soldiers. And, <laughs> and Yuji is in there uh, or sorry, jury is in there with like pigtails, just crushing nerds. It's amazing. Um, so the Barra Printer then turns on all of the O-Rangers. He's like, okay, I'm gonna make y'all love electric fans. But since Shohei's been paying attention, he says, "Oh no, everybody, close your eyes." This is how he does it. If you see him zap this laser at you, that is how it affects you. So they all close their right. eyes. They avoid getting cursed to love an electric fan. But in this moment. Since all of their eyes are closed, uh, Barrow Printer is able to shoot, like, just a explosion laser at them, and he runs away. Yeah, so they are, so this fight is over, and they're like, well, what are we gonna, like, what are we gonna do? We can't actually, like, we can't fight this guy, because we can't look at him. Like, this is, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah, and, and, and they also realize there's a secondary problem, which is that if they're, if this dude is able to make people fall in love with a fan or a refrigerator or a tricycle. That it's he's, not going to stop there. Yeah. Right. There are more, there are a lot more machines that people can fall in love with. Like, for example. Well, okay. So we cut up to the, uh, <laughs> we cut up to the throne room and they also have this sort of vague conversation where they're saying, oh yes, well, 
Bear a printer can make people love machines. So Bear a printer can make people love the ultimate machine. And it pans, like it slow pans over to Emperor Bacchus Wrath. There's okay. a great moment that happens. Hold up, hold up. There's an amazing <laughs> moment that happens right before this where Prince Bulldo is like, oh yeah, this is amazing. Like how incredible. And his is like, Shut up. Only an idiot would be excited about this. <laughs> and you um, see Bulldone, and like he doesn't have a super expressive face because he's like a weird puppet, but you can tell that that one hurt. Um, genuinely, until a later in the episode, when they are talking about making people fall in love with the ultimate robot, I thought they were talking about O-Ranger Robo. Like, if we can get people to fall in love with O-Ranger Robo, then they will like cluster around it and the o-rangers won't be able to use it to destroy our giant monsters i don't know why i thought that's where the episode was going but i really did and i kind of wish that would have been the case because it would have been a beautiful visual (laughs) that would have been a pretty amazing thing but i mean matt they very clearly like they're like the ultimate machine and then the camera just lingers on emperor bacchus rap for like a solid ten seconds, dude. Listen, Dave, this is a this is a short episode with a lot happening, and I had to take all of my notes longhand. <laughs> so oh. so so we cut away, and um, Shohei. So all of the O Rangers are following around Acha, right? Because Acha yep. is down on the ground, sort of like dealing with the moment to moment logistics of Barra Printer. Yeah. And so Shohei, he's like, oh, I've got a plan. And he jumps out and he does like this, what you think ought to be a devastating jump kick onto Acha. Because Acha is just like, I mean, he's a robot, but he's He's a robot butler. Yeah. (laughs) But Shohei attacks him and just sort of bounces off. And it's like, oh, oh no, you're so strong. You're so strong and cool. You're the best robot. This is the worst thing that could ever happen, that you, the best, strongest, coolest robot, are on Earth. And I'm just like, what? And Shohei's like, oh, man. That's why everyone calls you the greatest machine ever. (laughs) Oh, yes. If everyone were to fall in love with you, boy, that would be a problem. And I'm just like, hmm. I am. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I that am, tracks. I am. I am. That's pretty good. I am the greatest machine ever. And he turns to Barra Printer and he says, "Okay, um, sort of new plan. Come with me." There is the briefest of moments where the camera passes over Shohei's face as he's like lying on the ground, pretending to have been completely devastated by the toughness and coolness of Acha. Um, and Shohei, he doesn't actually look at the camera and wink, but he definitely does wink. Yes, uh, he he's hamming it pretty hard. And so the next thing we see is, oh, well, there's a quick photo shoot with Acha and Barra Printer is is taking pictures of him and he's like, he's posing. And uh, the pose that Acha eventually picks is the Riverdance pose. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the one I'm talking about. Yes. And then we get a quick shot of just, oh, it's the mom loving the fridge again. And then it's just uncomfortable. She's, she has a, a flower put on it now. Yeah. And then she... So Barra Printer shows up and he says, Okay, stop loving the refrigerator. Now love Acha! And, he, and she imprints on Acha now. So the next thing we see is Acha is being carried on a crowd of people's shoulders. And it's all the like, people from earlier in the episode. It's the, it's the girl who was in love with the Xerox machine. It's the guys who were in love with the tricycles. It's all them. Plus, you know, like plus a number of other people. And so this is weird to me. Uh, it seems like the royal family would be watching this, and we know that they can, like, teleport stuff and interfere. Uh, Acha is definitely, like, screwing with the plan, and I'm not quite sure why they're not, why they're just letting this ride. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the the people who are in love with Acha are definitely getting, like, lays and putting them around his neck to celebrate (laughs) the beauty that is Acha. (laughs) And listen, I don't want to Acha shame anybody, but, like, it is very funny. Uh, so, so the Rangers are just sort of uh, surveilling this. And Joey is like, yeah, this is incredible. Like, guys, I crushed it. Like, I did it. I sa- yeah. I've saved the day. This could have easily been Bacchus Wrath. I, I, I alone have saved Earth with my wisdom. 
And so, there's a quick scene where Goro is imagining is like, oh man, if this was Bacchus Wrath, that'd be really bad. And we see a bunch of people bowing down to Bacchus Wrath and then chaos. There's a mom with a rocket launcher and kids with dynamite. Which the I just, kids with the dynamite are amazing because you don't actually see that it's dynamite they have. It just kind of looks like they're throwing rocks at a building and then that building explodes. Oh, man. I think you may have must have looked away because they do 100% have a like cartoon style like taped together bundle of like red dynamite. Oh, yeah. I must have missed that while I was writing the note in, on my notebook that says destructive dream kids. Um, so Satoshi kind of runs into the crowd and he is trying to get his mother to pay attention to him. This is actually kind of a it's like the only moment I was like, oh, geez, man. Yeah. Uh, and the mom is like, no, get away from me. And she like pushes him away. And you see Shohei. And he goes from looking very pleased to himself to realizing that he has not actually defeated the monster. <laughs> right. And so he turns to the other O-Rangers and like, well, I mean, obviously, this was just, I mean, this is just my plan to buy time for a little bit while we actually formulated a plan. So don't worry about this. Now, now it is time to actually defeat the monster. Now the show a phase two. <laughs> so he just, run, he just runs out. He doesn't, he doesn't say, like, he explains nothing. He just runs. And uh, he's like, hey, nerd, and Barra Printer chases him with laser blasts. Yeah, and he chases them into the one dock that exists that is covered in, like, small shipping containers and so forth. And Shohei is running back and forth between them all. And you have to know in this moment that Shohei is desperately trying to think of what phase two of his plan is. Okay, yeah, um, and I think... I think I, I want to give him a little bit more credit than that because the way this ends up has to have been planned. I mean, because, hopefully. Well, otherwise, man, I just can't. Okay. So, you know what? I can accept it. Why not? Um, but it would make a lot more sense if he had planned it because here's what happens. He runs. He basically runs a maze through this through this dock and uh, Bar Printer is chasing him. And they finally there's a dead end. And it's like, oh no, Shohei is is dropped. And Barra Printer prepares his laser blast. And he's like, you're going to love Acha. And right as he is about to shoot the laser blast, Shohei ducks and pulls away a big cloth that was behind him, behind which is a gigantic mirror. Uh huh. You know, like they're often on the outside of shipping containers. Yeah, so I would prefer to exist in a world where this was planned. Rather than, like, Shohei ran up to a covered object in a dead end and just, like, randomly pulled the cloth off as he was dodging it. It happened to be a mirror, and that worked. I mean, that's a beautiful thought to have, Dave. I, I, I want to encourage that. So, uh, turns out that Barra Printer made a really serious error in uh, in character creation is that he did not buy immunity to the damage type that he uses. Yeah, and so now Barra Printer is 100% infatuated with Acha. Uh, so he just starts chasing Acha around. He eventually catches him in in an embrace that I'm only going to call non-consensual. That's as far as I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, and um, he does yell it's like, not... I love you, but in English. Which makes it weirder somehow. Yeah, so Acha is trapped, but Kocha, thankfully, is off to the side, because he's been following this whole thing, and he is able to, like, laser zap the love-at-first-sight circuit that Barra Printer has been using to I, make... To... I cannot express in words, Matt, <laughs> how much I love that that is a dedicated piece of circuitry that exists for Barra Printer. It's... I mean... It's very special. So, so he does, and then Bar Printer is cool. Uh, but now the now everybody is free. It doesn't work anymore. Sure, and not only is everybody free, but also the O Rangers are now able to fight Bar Printer because there's no danger that they will be zapped with the Love at First Sight circuit to be made to love a boat. I don't know. That's a thing sure, that they could love. Uh, so. So from here we get it's a fight. It's a fairly straightforward fight. Uh, we get it not we we get a prehension fight 
and then they henchin and there's a little bit more fight after this. Uh, now, there the is, by the way, there is one bit in here um, that they go full Birdman because the entire fight is following one, like it's one camera shot. That goes from like one person fighting to the other person fighting to the other person fighting. It is very impressive and wonderful. And I kind of want to watch it again right now. And maybe <laughs> will after we're done with this. Because like like I said, in all of the weird Barra Soldier fights in this episode, it's not just like a quick like one-two punch and kick deal. It's really well orchestrated. Yeah, uh, the, the fight choreography for... I was about to say Birdman. The fight ranger, or the fight choreography <laughs> for O Ranger is is pretty rad. Um, they really, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, maybe they're just the stunt people are better, but they they're doing a really really good job. Uh, yeah. So, the interesting part of this fight though is that Shohei is soloing, uh, Barra Printer for a while, uh-huh. and he drops a new technique, which I is love totally a new cool. Technique. It's called Mirage Knuckles. Is this like do Green Rangers just have illusion powers kind of all the time? Is that a thing, Matt? Do you know? Um, I I don't know. I think it might be one of those things that he is punching him so quickly that it looks like he has a million fists and it's not actually like a real illusion. The effect that they do is pretty neat. It does look like he's punching him really fast with a million fists. It's cool. And then he uh, he also does another new attack, which is Choriki Crusher. So he like holds out his two axes and they are covered in lightning. And then he he cracks Bar Printer in the dome with lightning axes. It's pretty, very good. Pretty cool. So they summon the Chiriki Mobiles, and they use Giant Roller. Yeah, oh, this is, is before the Giant Mobile, before the Chiriki Mobiles uh, join into Orange Robo. If you remember, it's been a few weeks. Uh, giant Roller is like a... It's a big tire. It's a big it's tire. It's a big tire. That's in a machine that makes the giant tire shoot at a dude. But Goro has to stand inside the giant tire to make it like a full Chiriki attack. It's pretty excellent. Yeah, so they do that, and then like from there, it's a it's a fairly standard up like fight. Yeah, they do Choriki roll or they do giant roller, and then he goes giant. Now the I thing it, with Kacha only, and Ocha being giant, I was going to say turning things giant. It's only been a few episodes, so I don't want to really gloss over it too quickly yet because I want to make sure that everyone remembers. Just that, you have to, you <laughs> must not forget this, guys. That the way that the monsters grow in these episodes is that Acha throws Kocha at the monster. Kocha like injects them in the neck with a robot syringe. And the weird robot serum in that syringe makes them become giant robots. Yes. It's just important yep. to me that no one forgets this moment. Uh, so they can form... They can... Uh, they form to the Choriki Robo. And uh, the first thing they do is horn head change. So we get the Taurus head. And he gets a couple of headbutts in. And then he does a lightning headbutt, which is cool. And then they switch out for wing head, which is like the standard one where they use crown sword, and then crown sword like ends bar printer, and then that's it. Yeah. Uh, so the the giant monster has been defeated. We cut to later. The the yes. child. What what was the child's name again, Dave? Uh, Satoshi. So Satoshi is with his mom. The mom is getting something out of the refrigerator, uh, and she is now able to engage the refrigerator in a normal way. Yes. Um, in a healthy way. In yeah. a way that's normal, you know, for her. Yeah. Uh, Satoshi is now demanding that his mother make for him Salisbury steaks. Which, that's legit. Salisbury steak is delicious. Salisbury I even st- love those cheap, like, real Salisbury steak is delicious. But I will absolutely gruffle uh, those cheap Salisbury steaks at the Swanson's ones. Man, I have, not eat, those guys. I have not eaten a Swanson Salisbury steak in low these many years. Okay, uh, I actually had one semi-recently, Matt. And let me tell you something. It's not as good as you remember. Okay, did you put the green beans in? You gotta put the green beans in. You know, I didn't because I didn't make it. Uh, uh, but it's not, as, it's not as good as you remember. But it's certainly still pretty tasty. I think it's one of those things like you have to have eaten it growing up because Beth took a bite and she was like, this is disgusting and I can't believe you're eating it. And I'm like, I love these guys. <laughs> I ate like three of them. So um, there, okay, there is something I do need to point. So first we see Shohei creeping. He's like all, he doesn't like come to the house and say like, ah, Sadashi, like everything is cool. He's just peering in the window from like across the street. Okay. Uh, which is weird moment. 
the next thing is we we pan outside and I am it's like a different house. This is not the house they showed us before where mom and Satoshi lived. I mean, okay, maybe they're very wealthy and they have two houses. Maybe the house was yeah, destroyed the, in the... Two houses with literally the exact same interior. Sure, that could be the case. <laughs> hey, you know, you know what you like. Why would you decorate things differently? You want things on other sides of town, sure. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily want to buy, like, you know, redesign the decoration two times. You know, that's an irritatingly good point. Because if the house I was in, I live in was destroyed, I would probably just try and rebuild it. And also, so. maybe their house actually was destroyed because there were giant robot attacks. Uh, and they just possible. have they just have very good insurance and were able to get into a new house pretty quickly. So uh Sohei, uh Yuji is or Juri, why do I keep doing that? So Juri is like, Wow, Sohei, you really did a fantastic job and you really saved everyone's bacon. And Joey's like, Yes, I did. And then good, she says Good for Shohei. Good for Shohei. <laughs> and she says This is Shohei saying this, I... by the way. Shohei right. is very proud of himself. <laughs> Juri says is what I would say, but I can't because your plan was terrible. Yeah, like your plan was effective. And this is what I love about this episode is because I feel like, Dave, you and I often have this conversation at the end of an episode, which is that the, the hero's plan does work, but there's no reason that it should have because it's a terrible plan. And right, I really because it's love... an insane bananas plan that never in a million years would actually work. Right, and Jury is like, yeah, I'm glad that we're not fighting that guy anymore and that your stupid backwards bananas plan did work, but you're kind of an idiot and there's no way this should have actually happened. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, well, though... No, yeah, Shohei is not really willing yeah, to give up did. on his moment like, of glory. Right, he's like, yeah, but it did It did work, though. And, uh, you know, all's well that ends well, and Shohei is still the champ. Awesome. <laughs> Two thumbs up, double plus Shohei. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's, um, yeah, so that's it, man. Yeah, so that is, that is the end of that episode, Dave, but it is not the end of our episode. Yeah. So the question is, where does Barra Printer fit on the Creature Royale? Okay. Now, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm a little torn, Dave, because Barra Printer, um, he facilitated some fun things happening in this episode. But he himself, as a robot, if you were going to put him up against other monsters, was not, like, super effective, even though he was tons of fun. So how do you, where do you think is a good spot on the list to start looking for a dude who, like, gave us a really good episode because he had a really good hook, but he himself was not really doing a lot? You know what I'm thinking, Matt? Where are you uh, thinking, Dave? Is, I'm, I'm down in, like, Mujina, the manga artist territory. Oh, I think that's a pretty good equivalent. I think, you know, because it's like, he's like the vector for like a weird, crazy plan that's actually pretty unique and fun, that he himself is not actually like a giant part of it. He's just kind of, like, he's the he's the prime mover on it, but he's not very interesting in and of himself. Okay, now, um, Mujina the Manga Artist is on number 85 in our list. Yeah. So do you think that Barra Printer goes above or below him? You know, I I would go down. I'd go yeah, down from well, there. Yeah, well, because, you know, right above him is... Uh, Nupafuhofu, the face licker. Oh, the and guy then, who licks uh, people's faces off, yes. Yeah, that guy rules. And then Itan Momen, the rag strangler. So, I'm, I'm thinking down. Uh, directly underneath that is uh, Majin Robo Veronica mm -hmm. and Semimaru. Okay. Oh, and you I, know, I'm sure that's why those people are on this list here. Because they gave us good That's episodes. That's all the same. Yeah. yeah, but they themselves are kind of, yeah, you know, not, not a lot going on. Now, right. below, so, below those two is Fawcett Dimension. Do you think that Barra Printer goes above or below Fawcett Dimension? Ooh, that's really tough. Yeah, because Fawcett Dimension is like, like the first dimensional beast. 
Yeah, and also, like, man, those faucets, remember in the early bits of that episode where he's able to control all faucets? And they're just, like, coming out of the walls and also coming out of the ground and wrapping up motorcycles? So I'm thinking one down from there is Leech Drill, who I hate. So I'd say I'd say just under Faucet Dimension is where I put Bar Printer. Okay, so Bar Printer is our new number 89 on the list. Yeah. And just for reference, uh, the list is, it is at 117 now... things long. Crazy. 117 monsters on this list so far, Matt. Uh, so that is actually going to do it for our episode, Matt. Yes, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Now, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Um, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you get this. Uh, that's what's going to help new people find the show or just tell a friend. You know, friends. You got them, I'm sure. I'm sure. You're all great people. Why would you not? There's literally no reason. Um, go get a new friend. I'll tell you what. Go get a new friend and tell them about it, and maybe they'll already know about it. And then you or can be you even can closer use friends. The show. You can use the show to make a new friend. These these are all our friend strategies. <laughs> um, uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To catch any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth.